Good morning, guys. Welcome to the uh, November Tech Connects uh, CEO Peer Group. Uh, I'm Brian Ellis, uh, membership director here. I uh, just wanted to welcome you all to uh, today's uh, peer group. And uh, uh, I'll start off by thanking our sponsor, uh, BTC, for their continued support of this peer group and the association. And uh, Mark Andre Mayhew is on the line today. So um, maybe I'll have some uh, insight a little bit later on as to some of the stuff BDC is uh, seeing uh, within uh, the markets right now. So uh, Mark, uh, we'll, we'll call upon you a little bit later. Um, I know I'm not gonna do around the table uh, today. I think I'll start off by just actually introducing um, the new individuals that are um, attending uh, today's session. So I'll start off with uh, welcoming uh, Hani Zaki from uh, Logos, Logo, Logo IT's IT Solutions. Thank you. Uh, uh, we also have uh, Jessica I, I, Naluka. I, oh, I can speak. Yes, I try. Anyway, uh, Jessica's from Ryerson uh, University. And um, we have uh, Vladimir. He's from uh, Redpoint, uh, Redport International. Uh, he's uh, a friend of Doug Weir. So uh, welcome. Uh, to uh, the session today. Um, with that, I will uh, I'll turn it over to uh, Barry Fairhurst, and I will say a few announcements at the end as well. Thank you, guys. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. And as Patrick says, I'm envious of you going golfing. Uh, John, I'm, I'm surprised you're not on the golf course already, Mr. Cameron. <laughs> um, hopefully Monday. Uh, when I sent those bullet points out, this, uh, you know, Ontario, I think was still, uh, or when Ryan sent them out, when I sent them to Ryan, I think we were not locking down again or not, uh, not going through what we're going to be going through, it looks like, but uh, I think it's still, I, mean, I think it's still appropriate. I think a lot of, number of us are opening up and are uh, looking at getting back on track. Uh, I know my business is, is getting Steadily, well, it's good. It's a, we're actually swamped. So, um, good things are coming, seems to be coming out of Ottawa and some of our other customers. Hopefully, other, uh, hopefully, uh, people are willing to share how their businesses are going. Um, any positive that's going on. So, uh, in addition to these points, obviously, if somebody wants to talk uh, for the new folks, what we normally do is we throw some ideas out there to discuss amongst ourselves and, and share ideas and experiences. But the table is always open for ideas and, and topics people want to discuss. So is there anything that, is there anything that anybody would like to table at the get-go? Because sometimes we don't get to it at the end. No? Oh, Barry, I'd have a question. Like, uh, yep. no, uh, uh, we're seeing a lot of information coming in from the federal government right now about uh, the extending of the CEBA loans and the extending of uh, a new service uh, for uh, rent relief. Has anybody actually tried to get on and, and seen whether uh, any of those services are actually available versus just uh, rhetoric that's uh, come through and uh, all the different websites that have uh, been identified to say, yes, we're doing this? I'd love to get a, a part of that, yeah. team on that. Yeah, part of that. I, my understanding is, uh, as of yesterday, uh, the additional twenty thousand dollars. I think if that's the one you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, so there's a forty thousand dollar loan that was made available, and if you prepaid it, uh, or if you paid it on time, uh, ten thousand would have been forgiven. They increased that to sixty thousand in total, with an additional ten thousand to be given. My understanding is, is that the legislation is supposed to be passed today and uh, they were hoping and that they would, um, uh, the, the, the rules around it would be released uh, within the next two weeks. So I don't think it's available, it's, as far as I know, it's not available yet, um, but it should be over the next couple of weeks. That's what I have understood as of yesterday. Hi, Jeff. Um, I actually did go through the process to apply for that loan early on. It was actually very, very straightforward for the 40,000. Uh, so I imagine it's just the same now as they extended. Um, and then, uh, you know, times are fine. So we, uh, we paid back 30 and now I'm just waiting for them to clear the other 10. I'm sorry. On, on the, uh, on yeah. the, 
I'm sorry. I should I should have said the the first forty's been available for quite some time. You're right. Yeah, like, but the the process was pretty easy. I guess is m more my point. Um, and it goes through your bank ultimately. Like when I'm looking online with my bank, there's the loan outstanding. Um, I, the the rent program, the revised one that is the companies directly. I've been watching it, but um, last I checked, anyhow, a few days ago, there was still no information available about it. Hey, Ryan, it's Maureen. Um, in response to Patrick and Jeff and, and Prasad, um, so in the, amongst all of the craziness of COVID, I joined the CFIB. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is a member. So I try to attend their um, weekly update calls pretty regularly. Yesterday was the most recent one. Um, I have the slide deck. I'll send it to Ryan. There's a lot of new stuff and Jeff's absolutely right. The, the loan, the $20,000 is, is still uh, waiting for some approvals. Um, there's new information about SUS. Uh, the rent subsidy things have changed. Um, they, the big message was they've reduced the requirements on a lot of things so that, um, so that more companies can access it. And the one that I found really interesting is there's a new fund for 70, up to $75,000 for companies who are looking to expand their business outside Canada, which I'd not heard about. So I'll send the slide deck. Um, I know that Ryan and John, you were in, you know, we had CFIB and the chambers, I think it was the chambers person come and attend a meeting. I just yep. don't know if maybe even a recording of yesterday's meeting might be available to share. I didn't see a way for me to get the recording, but um, it's, it's a great, great update. And they do it every week and they are lobbying with the government all the time for members who come forward and say, yeah, but this is why I had an obstacle or this is what came up for me. Um, and I found the membership really, really inexpensive. So um, might be something worth looking at if you're wanting those kinds of pieces of information, but anybody who's a member can call their business line and get all of the updates and support into where do I qualify, what's out there for me. So um, I'll flip that to you, Ryan, but um, I thought the expanding outside of Canada, $75,000 was quite impressive for those companies that, that are going that route. Yeah, I just want to go back to something on the CBA loan. So the deferred portion or the, the non-repayment portion, sorry, of the CBA loan, whatever that portion is, is actually to be included in taxable income in the fiscal year that you actually receive the amount of the loan. So even though you might receive $40,000 and you aren't going to have to repay the $30,000 until December 2022, the year that you receive the $40,000 is the year you have to pick up the $10,000 of income for the deferred, uh, for, for the non-repayable portion of the loan. And the same will apply when the other 10,000 gets deferred if you go for the other 20. So, so the keep in mind. Sorry. So the impact of that is essentially uh, for small business that it'll essentially be $8,500 approximately of uh, a money that's in their pocket after tax, correct? Um, it could be, it could be uh, more because a small business uh, or, or a smaller company that only um, is paying 12.5% uh, on the first $500,000. So it would only be 12.5% of that $10,000 repayable. They keep the rest of it. Um, but it, it's and, and you can uh, defer it just one year by filing an election with your corporate tax return. So, you know, if you want to defer it to the following fiscal year, that's possible as well. Thanks, Howard. Is there um, Ontario be, uh, government giving like $40,000 loan? Because a friend of mine, he owns a restaurant and he told me like he applied and got $40,000 from Ontario government as well. Is that specific for restaurant owners or? I, I certainly don't know of any $40,000 loan that's specific for restaurants and applicable in only in Ontario or, or, or Ontario government loan. Hmm. But, but I do know that there are companies who would qualify, um, uh, sorry, if you have a number of companies within a group, 
So each company that might have uh, a payroll account and have more than $20,000 in payroll for 2019 could potentially make, uh, make an application. So it, it wasn't on the group basis. It was on an individual uh, company basis based on the payroll. Just a side note, there is a new grant actually for Ontario businesses from uh, Ontario Chamber of Commerce. It's up to uh, 5,000 and uh, the eligibility criteria is uh, uh, revenue between 175,000, I believe, to 3 million. And the employee count should be not more than 75,000. Um, uh, and there is, uh, the, those 5,000 could be used only for three things. I think it's for, uh, uh, moving if you need to do any innovation for the space for, you know, due COVID, as well as uh, for online presence. So if to move to e-commerce, if business needs to improve their web presence or whatever, so that could be used for this. If anyone wants link, I can send everyone the link because uh, um, it was, I don't think it was publicly uh, announced. Uh, yeah. Tali, thank you very much for having sent that link along. Um, we actually did lo look into it, and when we meant to, it, it opened, I believe, if it was, if I'm not mistaken, last week. Um, yeah. It was closed within the week. It was uh, all taken up, so I don't oh. think it's any longer. Oh, there. it's not unavailable anymore. Oh, okay, okay. I see. Okay. Okay. It was very I, popular. I don't think I saw any deadlines there. There weren't, but their fund was used up. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay, then it's well, it's not. Yeah, um, Maureen makes a good point. I can reach out to Sandy Evans, who was the one at uh, CFIB. She organized Ryan. She organized when we had the um, the folks from CFIB present to us. I think it was April or May, and uh, we can have them come back um, and give an update because there are. I am part of CFIB as well, and there are a lot of updates. Quite quite a lot of updates. And it's a, it's a pretty good organization. So if we could take a note of that, I'll reach out to Sandy and see if we can get them to present to us again and get a full house, so. And Barry, I just, uh, just an addition to that, I thought about this and I posted the presentation in the chat instead of sending it to Ryan and having him okay. send it to everybody. So it's in the chat if people want it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, as, as, as you know, Maureen, as most people know, they're part, you know, they're in with a PMO all the time. So they're getting, they're getting the information right at the source. So they're not, you know, they're not simply, they're not simply uh, looking, you know, going through the information on the internet. They're actually hearing it from the horse's mouth and from his team. So um, it's, it's a good source. So anything else anybody, uh, anybody want to talk about? How are businesses? How is everybody doing? Are, are, is business starting to ramp back up for folks? Is uh, you know, one of the things we wanted to put on here is, uh, you know, it's culture. Before this whole COVID thing, we've talked a lot about culture. We've talked a lot about, you know, hard skills versus soft skills. Uh, culture seems to be predominant in the hiring of staff. Uh, is that taken over from someone being, you know, versatile and being able to work remotely. I mean, John, you're, I know Mr. Kitchen, you, you have a lot of people under your belt. Um, Chris, I know you do as well. Uh, so are you like, how's the hiring process going? Cause I'm being, I think in the last week and a half, I must've had seven or eight people I've worked with or I've managed that have called me up asking for reference letters. And what they're asking me to focus on now is very different than it was two years ago, three years ago when they called. Now they want, you know, can you stress this situation that we dealt with and how that impacted the business and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm even having suppliers call me up asking me for references because I guess with Zoom and, and, the, and the conferencing side of things, they're not going out and having face-to-face -face meetings, even when they're looking at signing <coughs> partnerships, it's all virtual. So people are doing more homework in their research on partnerships. Is anybody else seeing that? Barry, I just wanna make one comment. Uh, TechConnect has started a uh, job board on our website. So if there are any uh, member companies out there that one are looking uh, to fill positions, could you please send information to uh, Kelly 
and she'll certainly get it posted for you. Uh, we're trying to uh, track that. Uh, so please, if you're looking for individuals, uh, send the information off to Kelly and then uh, certainly, uh, hopefully we'll get some exposure for TechConnect and your organization and perhaps help you during the hiring process. Yeah, well, maybe so, I'll just make a, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so uh, it's just one of the things you said, Barry, is very interesting. We are going through a hiring process at the moment, filling a couple positions. And the, some of the questions that come up base, are based on the uncertainty around, is this, is working from home like going to be the new normal in the long term? And I know some companies have made some final decisions, but I think most of us are kind of still sitting on the fence and saying, we don't know what the world, the work world is going to look like two years from now. And I know Bluelink is one of those companies. So it's very difficult. You know, you're hiring somebody and you're saying to them, look, for now, you're going to be working from home. We don't know, A, how long that's going to be. B, if we're ever going to have everybody back in the office or if it's going to be like a hybrid model, we, we're not in a position to make that decision. And it does have an impact on, I find anyway, it has an impact on the, on the interview process mm. because you know, you can't give a candidate certain answers. You certainly don't want to mislead them. It makes it more difficult for them to determine whether this is kind of the right thing for them as well. I have a really good candidate right now. He lives in Whitby. Our offices are in Vaughan. If we could tell him that we're definitely always going to be working remotely, he'd probably jump at the opportunity. If I told him he's definitely going to have to commute to the office every day, we're done. We're not, we're not even talking anymore. <laughs> but we're in between those, so we, mm -hmm. we really don't know where to go. Is anyone else experiencing that? Yeah, we're, we're, certainly, um, we're certainly seeing a, a variety of different things. I, I think on the positive side, uh, we're seeing the um, ability to be flexible on where people are located. So at one time, you had to be in a certain geographic location, and we're finding we can be more flexible. Uh, as for the, you know, you have to come to the office every day, uh, we already had started a work from home policy. We used an outside consultant and we were a hybrid model. So it was up to a certain number of days based on the jobs, et cetera. And I can see us continuing that, but we're, we're not going to have 100% uh, work from home. Uh, the challenge, we, we find a couple challenges. One is on the recruiting, uh, it's very hard to do onboarding remotely. That's when you're used to doing it face to face. Um, so we're finding that quite a challenge as you bring new people on. Uh, one, one area on the culture side that we have spent a lot of time uh, pivoting towards is when we go to hire someone, we try and somebody, try and find somebody who knows them well and somebody we know who also knows them. If, and we really scour our contacts that way uh, because years ago I was interviewed for a position and somebody said to me, I like everything I see, but I haven't seen you in action. And so we like this idea of seeing somebody in action and, and how do you get reliable references? Because um, if you don't know who the reference is, uh, you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, we, we really, uh, the other thing we try and do on the interview process is have a, a really wide cross section of people interview them. Uh, people that are going to be their peers, people that are going to be the managers, people might be subordinates to them. So uh, that's one thing uh, we're now doing more in, is when we go to hire, we, we sure are doing that. Just two other cultural things um, uh, related to that um, is we're continuing to, as an organization, communicate more than we ever have. Uh, and so in doing the budget, we shared with everybody our company goals. We're having every department uh, share their goals. Every individual is putting together their own objectives that we're now going to track. And so we're spending a ton of time on alignment right now. Because if you're trying to pivot, uh, which we all have to do to some extent, you got to make sure every when you're charging up the hill, everybody's behind you. So we're spending an awful lot of time really refining our goals and objectives for 2021. And we've also warned everybody, guess what? Whatever budget we're all collectively putting together, it's going to change during the year. Uh, so we are we better all be really flexible, regardless of your size. Um, you know, this whole pivoting, I know everybody's sort of sick of hearing of that, but that's sort of the new norm. And I think that's the other thing is you've got to really stay agile 
regardless of your business and regardless of the size of it. And you need your, from a culture standpoint, you need your people to accept that. We've got people in marketing that suddenly marketing has just got flipped on its head. So, uh, or in sales, you can't do the direct sales calls anymore. So how does that, 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 you know, big sales hunter do their job virtually? So again, I think it's that flexibility you look for in hiring and just your whole staff. I think you just got to have that as a mantra for your business. Hey, John, when you say um, you're realigning, um, are you focusing on any area, obviously the details, but as far as functional areas or are you, are you just taking a look at the overall business plan itself and keeping that? No, well, what we do, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, you know, 80% or is our ongoing business, but then 20% are new businesses. Uh, we're seeing a lot of new opportunities come up uh, in our, in our particular field on things like, uh, real-time internet of things. I mean, the, the big artificial intelligence, machine learning, all those things, Some in some cases, those are gonna get accelerated. Uh, for instance, Prasad, you know, for cities, cities are gonna go through dramatic transfer, transformations. And I know you're, that's right in your wheelhouse, for instance. And so you gotta look at some of these trends that are coming up in certain areas. Um, you know, communication vary for your your industry, right? Completely, oh, yeah. completely changing, right? And some things are gone forever, marketing, trade shows, et cetera. The idea of everybody hauling themselves onto a plane to go to an event, that's gonna change. I think there's a whole, um, uh, the other thing that's really changing, I think is partnering. I think um, you can suddenly make your organization look a lot bigger and better because when you do a presentation through a webcast, they don't know where anybody is or who they sometimes even work for. So it's a really interesting um, change when you're not doing things face-to-face. -face. So we're just trying to leverage some of those things. Yeah, yesterday, just on this cultural shift, yesterday I, I actually have met personally with, with an interesting cultural tidbit. <clears throat> there was this, um, I guess, new lead and, and they're, they're starting a new company. Uh, they're in the um, um, airport operations industry. Uh, so they're starting a new company. They, they needed some help with startup practice, which is not what we do, but they also had it. They had some requests you know, for systems and so forth. But we, we started talking. And uh, I naturally assumed that because they're in the airport operations business, that they're going to have an office or a presence near Pearson. This is a Toronto company. And I was wrong because they said that their new model is not to have an office at all, even though they need to work with Pearson on a daily basis. So this is not just um, uh, no office for the next few months kind of trend. This is we're starting a new company that is working with Pearson on a daily basis, meetings, operations and so forth, actually doing work at Pearson without any presence at Pearson forever this is just the new way of doing business and to me that that caught me because i'm going wait a minute this is this is more than just a new trend this is now a change maybe even forever if it, if it proves to be working so that that one caught my attention on the conversation yesterday hmm. maybe um, i can chime in sorry nope go ahead, oh, go ahead Vlad. now i'm the new one on the block so first nice to meet everybody um we actually 17 years ago started by building a company that is completely virtual. Um, we never had offices. Well, technically we did have a, you know, one young, the Toronto star building for a while, but then we gave up on that. Um, uh, at one point before we exited the business, we're kind of hundred plus people company. And it, it really did boil down to cultural issues. We actually started by saying, Hey, we're going to find the best people in the world that we can find, which ended up at some point being 20 plus countries, people from 20 plus countries that did work. But it did boil down to two cultural issues. One is people who can actually self-motivate and work. So that was a premise. We're virtual, so hence we're virtual. We're gonna support people who can work virtually and lead, you know, require less supervision or self-motivating, self-starters and all the other things that, that go together with it. Um, we then implemented pretty strict processes of coordination and control because at the end of the day, things need to work. Um, we just accepted that's the norm. 
I think we're one of the heaviest users of the Skype, you know, early on 15 years ago. I then, you know, we pushed the limits of Skype very, very early on as it showed up on the marketplace. Um, we virtually created a spin-off, technology spin-off that dealt with banking, AI, and, you know, financial services, artificial intelligence, and stuff like that. We successfully exited it, sold it to a U.S. company that we uh, almost never saw and um, are now you know, successfully, I, I believe, helping them transition and adopt that product and kind of work also completely virtually. But again, it boiled down to a cultural issue of selecting it, of accepting our clients and our employees, accepting that uh, it's a virtual business, explaining, you know, as a partner at KPMG, I had a, you know, $10,000 flower arrangement that, that I had in the hallway. So, you know, we don't have $10,000 flower arrangements and we can pass that to you, Mr. Klein, but the problem, you know, you might have a, case, a call like this, where one person might be from, you know, far, far east or Australia, somebody might be from Germany, I'm from Toronto, my business partner is from Madison, Wisconsin, and you know, and stuff like that. And actually did work very successfully, assuming you said we set the parameters, right. And we do we did the uh, people selection, you know, and put that up front, and they would understand those are the limitations of, of the job granted, everybody was kind of 35, 40, years plus. I mean, that kind of the model worked only for a certain segment of the employee population, but then um, we just accepted that as a necessity. So, so Vlad, first of all, nice to meet you. And, and obviously you share the sentiment. There's a lot of businesses that are pre-positioned for virtual. Um, the one that got me yesterday that is the, the new person that I met is that their business was never pre-positioned to be virtual they're in operations. They require to go into Pearson on a daily basis and do work at Pearson, physical work, right? And at the same time, with everything considering because of the new norm, they're not gonna have a presence at Pearson, right? Everything's virtual and basically, right? So, so this is, to me, there, there were businesses that were always meant to be virtual and that's acceptable. And, and, you know, for some of us, that's fine because we continue to be virtual and that's not a problem. But uh, uh, an operations company that requires a presence now basically chose to proceed without a presence indefinitely. And to me, that, that, was that is, that is, if we're, we're dealing with our clients. We have a, still today a big consulting operation. In, in banking and insurance, pure management consulting because McKinsey of financial service, so banking insurance. And it is somewhat challenging getting our clients to transition. So what do you deal with somebody, you know, how do you how do you make a branch, operations in a branch reasonably virtual? And it's not as trivial as, you know, everybody talks digital banking and stuff. It's not totally straightforward and, and trivial, but I can, I can totally appreciate the scale of the problem. But again, it boils down to establishing processes, control mechanisms, selecting people who can actually work that way. And you know, impressive what the guys are doing that you were talking yesterday. It is a difficult and complex challenge. I'm not sure if anybody was on the call on uh, the Wednesday's call, but uh, Terry gave a great, uh, great um, Zoom call on M and A. Uh, if anybody uh, wasn't, they should talk to Terry about it if they're thinking about. Uh, you know, an exit in a couple of three years from now, I guess would be the time frame of start to plan. But one of the things that I was thinking about, and Terry, sorry, I had to get off the call. I was interrupted by uh, by a 613 call, so you always take those. Um, but one of the things that I've found is the formula for companies with the, the you know, we're losing some assets, I guess, because you're not having the bricks and mortar, the, the footprint that accountants always love to put a value on, right, Howard, that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's tangible. It's not intangible. And sometimes, and service contracts, obviously they're intangibles, but they're assets uh, and sometimes have higher profit margins and products do, but they're, you know, they're period based as opposed to uh, long-term based. So uh, I don't know, Terry, do you want to talk about how companies are having to remix their values based on like not, I'll pick John uh, Kitchen for a second because uh, he's a he's a he's, he's an easy one to pick on, but um, you know all of a sudden say Esri goes from their current model to forty percent remote and assets follow that trend where you don't need as many you know hard goods or hard assets as you had before. But how does that change the valuation of say say John's? office in Toronto was just John's office and it wasn't a no multinational. How does that change the, the, the value of a company? And as owners, 
So we need to take that into consideration as we're you know, planning to maybe sell a company two years from now or three years from now. How do we, it's easier to do, it's easier to start than to go back in time, right? I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear, but as we move virtual, our revenue may even increase, but our asset base is decreasing. So somebody comes up to value our company, they look at the balance sheet and they say, well, you don't, you don't have, you're not that strong in assets. So I don't have many tangibles. There's a lot of goodwill there. And that's always a fight on how you evaluate goodwill. Contracts, they do, they do end. So how are, how, are, how, are, how is the market seeing that? Well, I, I'm happy to comment. So I think the market's adjusting really quickly to this new reality. Um, and at the end of the day, most acquirers care about cash flow and earnings. Um, and very few companies, at least in the space that we play in, are, are, are valued on their, their hard assets, right? I mean, generally, you know, you can certainly, you can certainly value a company based on their assets or, uh, but you know, generally it's multiple of EBITDA. So to me, the leaner the organization can be and the more higher the margins and the more cash flow, the higher the value. However, having said that, um, corporate culture um, is an important thing. So I'll just give you a little anecdote. We got hired uh, last week by a, a, a New York PE firm um, to do some due diligence on a Canadian firm. So they're buying a company in Montreal um, and they've never met them, right? Everything's been virtual through COVID. Um, so I literally drove to Montreal, walked the building, kicked the tires and kind of did a report back. So um, because they, they were uncomfortable in doing a deal without ever having met some of the principals in person or actually walking the premises. Now they're a little bit old school, I think, uh, in the way they look at things. Um, so to me, the, the, the focus on cultural fit and the, you know, sort of the energy and the dynamic in a business is the important part for a company that's fairly virtual or distributed. Um, but again, the hard assets are, to me, a really secondary issue these days. I have a friend of mine in Calgary, he's looking at selling his company and he had an office in Toronto and with this, they've closed it. And he's concerned that, okay, it's gonna be perceived in the market as I don't have a Toronto presence because there was nobody in the office because of COVID. And he says, actually, it hasn't hurt our sales whatsoever. Customers in Toronto are still doing it. But I guess it's a mental thing that he has to perhaps overcome that you don't have to have a physical presence to have a presence. Yeah, and I think sometimes you can just, like we have an office in Markham that we don't use. And I work from <laughs> my office in Uxbridge 95% of the time, right? Um, right. But I, I think having a presence close to the city is important. Just, you know, uh, uh, visually when someone's on the website or something like that. So sometimes it's a little bit of, I'll call it packaging um, to have a local presence, but I don't know that people are looking for bricks and mortar facilities as much anymore. And how are I, I, I can, how, I, I can speak to that um, because I came up with this brainwave years ago to have these small little remote offices across the country. So we had 16 of them. And you know it was a footprint, if you will, but they were really small. They were like one, two, three people. And um, boy, there's a lot of overhead when you're getting high-speed internet and all the other just IT uh, connections, uh, you know, faster than a DSL or other things. So we're slowly extricating ourselves from that. And our customers liked it because oh, you're local, you're present in that bricks or mortar your present, right, uh, kind of appeal to them. And these were big organizations like big cities or provincial governments, et cetera. I think now under this current environment, uh, it's, it's far less uh, onerous to, and, the, and the, um, the idea of you've got bricks and mortar there is more importantly, you've got local presence people, they're connected to whatever community you're trying to be the hub of, that's way more important than those bricks and mortars. So we're slowly gonna extricate ourselves from a lot of these small offices because the overhead adds up over time and that whole um, idea of having the shingle out and all those things with the bricks and mortar, 
I'd say that's really dissipating. I think COVID's just speeding that up. And to Terry's point, it really comes down, I think, at the end of the day, it's, it's um, I think there's a couple things. I sold a company, uh, it was purely all, all on intellectual property, partnerships, et cetera. And I actually, for due diligence, I said, um, you have permission to contact our top 50 customers um, to see whether that, that uh, revenue and uh, that cash flow, et cetera, would continue. And I think, I think in nowadays, I think the big thing that we're working on is recurring revenue. I think at the end of the day in our industry, if you can, to Terry's uh, point, if you can have something that's very predictable, uh, that's really going to help your valuation. So we're spending a lot of time on long-term contracts and predictability, which then gives you that ability to have that base. It also helps to grow your business because you've got that, that kind of, you can run your business at the same time invest. And also people from outside really like that because it gives them that nice stability, right? Of that recurring revenue. Um, so that's what I would encourage. And, and again, to Terry's point, the bricks and mortar, certainly in the technology is just completely evaporating. Then Barry, maybe I can just add. So I, I also think that the way that trade shows and networking events used to be held has completely changed. So I've, we, we're pretty active in networking with U.S. private equity funds, and I've done three networking events in the last couple months. So these used to be events where they would sort of speed date and you match up a private equity fund with an investment bank. So they set up 20 minute half hour meetings and you meet a dozen people. So they used to do it in person, the company that we're dealing with, Opus Connect in New York. And, but you'd have to fly to New York, um, sit down, you know, have a whole trade show. It's a two day of, it's a two day exercise with a couple thousand in travel expenses. Now they do the same event in four hours. So you meet a dozen companies in four hours, all through Zoom. And like, I don't know if I, I would ever go back to a, a more traditional networking event like that, right? So I think COVID has changed some things permanently, right? Terry, it sounds, like, just, you're not, it sounds like you're not gonna miss the road trips. <laughs> no. Barry, Barry, a couple of quick, uh, Barry, a couple of quick bullets. Uh, number one, the presentation that Terry made, uh, which was excellent, had a chance to sit through it. Uh, Ryan, I believe, did we tape that? Yeah, so um, yeah, it's actually up online right now. So there is a audio copy of um, the presentation uh, Barry did, or Terry did on uh, the other day for MBA uh, transactions for founders. There's also a podcast that Terry and I did as well that, that will provide some additional information. Um, so yeah, both are online right now, and Terry's open to talking to anybody offline as well. So. Ryan, I'd be I'd be comfortable if you wanted to circulate the deck to people as well. Because it's a little hard to follow just the audio without the yeah, visual, that's true. Yeah. so okay. feel free yeah, to circulate that to people. Okay. And yeah, very, uh, very it's also good for companies if you're looking at partnering with somebody to do your due diligence on uh, who you're going to be signing relationships. With. Very second uh, second bullet you're talking about sort of the uh, dynamics of the changing model. Uh, we're seeing organizations right now that have these temporary office spaces where you can literally drop in for an hour or so. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention is that we've been in discussions with a couple of these organizations, and uh, one of us has a one of them has approached us and is looking at putting together sort of a, a comprehensive package uh, special for any of our members that they could get substantial discounts. So, if you're looking for a facility within the GTA where you need to go in, you know, for a, a meeting for an hour, they have boardrooms. Or if you're looking just for a, a quick meeting uh, and, and you need a facility that has all of the uh, high-speed access, et cetera. So once we get, uh, once they send that promotion to us, we'll get that out to our members to make them aware of it. Uh, we are in the throes of trying to look at creating a little bit of a marketplace for our members uh, just to enhance the value overall of their membership. But uh, we are seeing this new model where companies are springing up that do have facilities that are running out for us for an hour, uh, boardrooms, et cetera. So please be aware of that. One of the things that I, yeah, yeah, one of the things I noticed you were talking about uh, premises and what the effect that they would have on uh, on the balance sheet of a of a company, and where previously, if you had downtown office space and you had a relatively long term lease and the lease was good, right, it it was an added uh, uh, intangible value 
to to the uh, to the value of your your business. Now it's the exact opposite. So companies with ten and twenty year leases for downtown office space are now finding that the value of their business is now detri detrimentally reduced uh, because of that. Uh, uh, that that liability, which uh, which they can't get out of, so um, you know it's 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 certainly going to be an impact uh, in the in the future. And, and I think that people, especially in office companies that have a lot of office space or require a lot of office space, are now realizing how much less they they require, but they can't get out of their long term leases. So you know they're stuck. I guess one of the things. I was going to ask is actually um, asking Jessica if she's still on the line just to give us maybe a little bit of, a, of an update as to what's going on with the universities uh, in Ontario and uh, kind of what um, what's going on because obviously it's a lot different from high school and the public schools. Um, Jessica, are you still on the line just to kind of give us a, an insight as to how Ryerson's uh, working? I'm not sure she's still on. Yeah, she just flipped off her mic so. Okay. Oh, yeah, she's still muted. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We can come back to that, Jess. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, we know we can't hear you. Hey, Ryan, it's Maureen. Hey. Um, I was going to, I was just, you know me, always HR side sort of thinking, and I was going back to Barry's comments and John's about recruiting and then Terry chimed in which I thought was very interesting just about the whole cultural thing and the value of that you know to the business or prospective buyers um, attended a really great webinar uh, in prep for our people leadership and um, had a very simple concept talking about culture and saying you know there's really four four pillars of culture and that's um, time and space which is your office and your flex hours and all those kinds of things, your flexibility around work, communication, uh, which John alluded to in the way that they're pivoting in their communication strategy, social interaction and benefits. And what, you know, the nut of the conversation was really, look, with, the, with remote work now being either the new norm or a necessity, one or the other, companies have lost the sort of time and space proposition that they might have had as part of their cultural sell to new recruits. You know, whether that was flexibility or we have the greatest environment you want to come to or our location or anything else. And social interaction, as we know, has changed dramatically. Um, so they were saying, you know, you need to think of your culture in those four pillars. And while you might have weighted social interaction or your, you know, the space that you provided employees to work in as the big pillars or, the, or you put extra weight in those, you need to reassess now, what are you going to sell in those areas? And is it money that comes from not investing in physical space that might go into better benefits or it goes into better technology for communication that's you know beyond even some other organizations if it's the leadership's commitment to regular communication total transparency you need to have a new message for candidates on what your culture is and there are a few things that used to be you know um, attractive to candidates that you probably can't deliver on now so I thought it was a really simple way to think about culture because I think the core message in, specifically to recruiting is, look, you're now recruiting online. You're probably not meeting the candidate. You might be meeting internationally. And some of your messaging, maybe some of your vision uh, as a company isn't the same anymore. And so take time to think about that because you still need to have a value proposition to new candidates and you need to start thinking about social interaction. How are you going to do it differently? How do you replace it? What are you doing about benefits? What's important to people today, given COVID and this new reality? How are you pivoting with your benefit program to support that? Whether it's financial wellness or mental health, you know, so it, it was a good kind of do your take stock and think about how you're going to pivot in this because everybody probably can offer remote now. Everybody can offer no more commuting. Everybody can offer flexible hours. So where are you left in the sort of, you know, the employer branding space? So Maureen, how do you, um, 
mean, John mentioned it, a couple of people mentioned it. You know, one of the things when you're hiring and even making decisions, John, I'd love to hear your thoughts or Mark, anybody on, on how is your decision-making process, uh, Howard, when you're dealing with clients and you're strategizing, how do you, how do you uh, deal with regards to the whole decision-making process? Um, but how do, you get, how do you get a corporate vibe across to somebody? Um, when you, you know, John, you, you did talk to it, but how do you communicate that vibe? Because so much well, we, staff vibes important more than so on. we've we've done a whole bunch of things. One is, um, and Maureen talked about the social aspect of the work life, and in our organization, the social part's really really important. That you know each other as individuals, and that you know when you start a Zoom call, you start asking about their family, their you know if you have certain interests, etc. So. Uh, we've spent a lot of time and effort doing this. So a couple of things we've done is uh, we have purposely had all of our leadership group insert social planning into your week, social planning with your staff. And so every department meets socially every week and you have to be creative, yep. creative social things. So, you know, it might be Friday. Okay, everybody, four o'clock. It's uh, it's sort of our social hour, right? Everybody turn on the camera, uh, okay. get out of your, any work clothes. Uh, we're just going to yak and kind of do this, you know, for the next hour or so. So a social thing there. The second thing is we've actually had people, even though there's COVID, get together socially. So we had a whole group go golfing in September. We had the meet in the park, bring your chair, bring your lunch. So uh, we're also getting physically together as much as we can remotely, you know, using all the best practices, but we're really trying to do that. Uh, the third thing is on the communication side, we've really increased transparency. So every month we share with them, here's what's happening. Here's all the things that are going on. Um, here's our top line, bottom line. Here's, here's the wins. Okay. Thanks for all the help because we won this, or here's some other things, or here's where we are in the press. Here's all these things. So again, it's almost like you're part of this group and here's what you're doing. Uh, three other things and I'll then shut up. Uh, one, the other thing is we always survey our employees. So we did a survey this year and we had a ton of stuff on COVID. How are you coping? How's your mental health? Here's this, all that. Again, you just have to really open up and, and, and really try and ask them all the time, every call, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your family? All the, all the non-work items, you got to bring those up first before you get to the work part. Uh, and, and so, and there's, so there's, there's all this different inclusion that we're trying to do. Uh, and we've also worked really, really hard on alignment. So uh, really sharing where we want to go and sharing where can you fit in? Where are you going to help and participate in this? Um, so again, just way more emphasis than we've ever had on that side of things. Um, and also, I think on the transparency, just saying, guess what? You know, we won't be coming back to the office anytime soon. We eventually will on a hybrid model, but guess what? Your health, your well-being, everything about you and your health, your family, your community, that's number one. And work is secondary to your health. And so again, we're just trying to reiterate those messages every time we get, because people are really anxious. The mental health aspect is, is like, um, is really problematic. And the only final thing I'll say is, You've got to uh, really understand people's home environment for the work from home. Some mm -hmm. of them have young kids, et cetera. So you might have to time shift when they work. Uh, others might have uh, other, you know, um, work environments where it's not very good. So we allow them to go in the office on a sporadic basis. You've really got to treat everybody uh, like individuals, but really focus on that environment that they're under and and try and work accordingly so it, it, but it's a lot of cycles i'll tell you a lot of yeah, cycles we, we did a, uh, we did a tech uh, virtual tech show last week a small one it was uh, to a couple of just three or four companies but we sent out uber eats yeah great the, idea 
for the, uh, it was an hour and a half, mm -hmm. but what made it fun was the, the marketing person who uh, helped us with one of our suppliers. She said, everybody had to take a picture of their food before they ate it. And that instead of seeing your face, you had your plate yeah. of dot. And then we went to the faces. So the, it brought the element of fun into it. And, you know, what'd you get, Barry? Oh, I got a hot dog. What'd you get? Oh, I got, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Barry, another thing that's really... Uh, some companies are doing that with their staff as well when they have, like, weekly meetings or sending out briefs. <laughs> Sorry, Marc-Andre? Yeah, yeah. No, just to, to jump on that as well. One thing that I'm seeing also, a few companies are sending packaged, like, gift boxes to their employees by mail. So it comes as a surprise. So it might be a hoodie in there, it might be a mug, there might be like chocolate and stuff like that. And you know, it's an inexpensive way to just really create a surprise, create engagement. So I think that's been really a, a good thing. And John, to your point, also employee is really important, you know, motivation and social aspect, but taking care of also the your business partners. You know, uh, from a little more macro side, what we're seeing is a, a lot of entrepreneurs are, are feeling distress. You know, we're seeing it a lot. There's a lot of, uh, you know, so the, it's important to ask how people are doing, trying to make sure to understand where they're at and try to, to understand where they're at. So, the, you know, at, at the bank at BDC, we have put on a, a program for entrepreneurs that are in distress. So just want to say that out there. If you hear of anything, it's important to, to uh, understand where they're at and you know, we do have some resources available as well. So keep that in mind. If ever you hear of anything, might just take a, a quick minute here to, uh, to uh, give you also an update on, on where BDC is at. Um, from a macro perspective, um, you know, what we're seeing right now is that the level of financing of opportunities is back to pre-COVID levels. So, you know, in March, April, we saw a huge spike, obviously, in credit requirements. And during the summer, that fell down. So, you know, for banks, and it was across banks, we're about at 25% of, uh, compared to last year levels. So really slow during the summer. So we're happy to see that uh, during the fall, September, October, the levels have gone up uh, again. And what we're seeing is actually very little demand for government-related programs on the loan side, obviously for the grant side still being there. But we're seeing very little. We're seeing more growth projects. So that's the good news. People are starting again to invest or starting again to purchase other companies to open up, not open, open up offices, but open up new positions to uh, grow the business uh, and support the business growth. So that's the positive news out of it. Uh, on our side, uh, there's a press release that will be coming out today. Uh, we have a new partnership with IRAP. So uh, we do have a lot of clients, especially in the tech industry that are clients of IRAP as well to fund their, their, uh, their development, their R&D. And uh, so we have new loans that are coming up that are, uh, less, you know, there's a reduction on the interest rate if you're a, also a client of IRAP. So keep that in mind. That's uh, good to know. Uh, so new uh, project coming up next uh, week, available next week. Awesome. Um, Jess, are you, were you able to work out the audio? Not sure. Yes, I did. I had to um, log in on my computer on my phone as well. Sorry about that. I, I thought I was talking the entire time only to realize that you guys could not hear me. So yeah. I did my introduction and she said hi and no one heard what I said. So <laughs> so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so I guess my question is, um, we're kind of talking about obviously some of the goods and bads with businesses, but you know, one of the things like that I see I'm currently even looking at is the amount of university students that are are at home right now. A lot of people left to school uh, that are on my street and now they're back at home and they've been home for about a month. So I just wanted to kind of get an update as to what's going on with like the Ontario universities right now. And because we're obviously talking about people not going back to the office, obviously universities like Ryerson, U of T, York have massive quantities of space uh, building towers. So I just wanted to get a, your perspective as to what's going on right now. 
Um, I cannot speak on behalf of an entire university, but I do know that um, we've been doing a lot of, so, okay, my, let me start by a simple introduction, actually. So my name is Jessica Waluka. I'm a research project manager with the Faculty of Science, um, Science Research and Innovation Office. And I also, I'm the program manager for the Tech Talent Accelerator. So what we did was create an initiative. So I'm just gonna give a, a quick back. I'm just gonna talk about the Tech Talent Accelerator and what we're doing to just like, just because COVID has hit everyone really hard. We're just trying to like put students place students into the tech industry basically. So what we did was leverage um, government funds from the entire government. So we got access to $350,000 from um, Skills Catalyst Fund because we found out that a lot of students are just like looking for jobs. The job market right now is just currently really difficult. So basically we, our plan is to train the next generation of industry ready talents with the Tech Talent Accelerator. So what we did was open this program to both graduates and undergraduates students here at Ryerson University and we collaborated with um, CompTIA which is the tech leading association here in Canada and also collaborated with a bunch of um, a couple of um, tech co companies here um, here in Canada as well so we're com currently partnered up with HP, HPE, AMD. I'm happy to share our website information right now. Um, so what we did was um, we created this training modules for the industry, by the industry, basically. So we worked closely with our partner companies, our industry partners, to create a training module. So, so far, we came up with six um, training modules, basically. So Tech 101, um, Trends and Innovation. So we're just trying to keep the students engaged at this point. The goal is to place 50 students um, in the tech industry by leveraging government funds such as IRAP and also ITAC and um, MITAC as well. So our goal is to place the students in the tech in the tech industry basically. I'm happy to share some slides. I just just give a brief overview basically about what we're currently doing to just like get student engagement because right now like so many things is going on in the world right now. We're just trying to do our best to just like um, motivate students um, and finally helping them to like actually get um, get jobs in the tech industry. Okay. Actually, yeah. So, any information, Jess, uh, please send it over to me, and I will include it into like the kind of the end, of, like a message that I'll send out to everybody after this conversation. But the links to Terry's um, talking points, uh, Maureen's uh, stuff about the CFIB, and if you can email me information, I will put that into the email um, after this. Okay, I will do that. I'll do. I'll do that. Thank you. Go ahead, Barry. Oh, I was just going to say a quick show of hands. Um, I can have I can reach out to the CFIB and have them, you know, perhaps give us a presentation on the current status and what they see over the next three to six months, because we all know this is not going away in the next three to six months. Is that of just a nod of the heads? Is that of uh, is that of interest to folks, or is that? Uh, no, I, I think we go we go ahead with it, Barry. Uh, just because it's obviously technics. We we don't lobby. We're not government. I'm asking the audience if they'd be interested. Just to show of hands or John reacted, John Cameron. Okay, so, all right. I'll reach out to them and see if we can get uh, get them to present to us. Um, if you have any, regarding that, if you have any questions, send them to Ryan so we can, and last time they asked the same thing, uh, send the questions to Ryan so we can make sure that uh, they touch on the, the points that we would like them to um great people and uh, also maybe next time we can also talk about uh the negative thing to talk about i guess but what about those companies that are faced with downsizing how's it gone how have you dealt with having to potentially or having to have laid people off or put them on furlough or whatever the case may be i know we run out of time here today um is anybody want to say anything before we pass john ryan do you have anything to add to that but uh, i'll put it out to put it out to the general team is that Ryan? Uh, let me yeah. cover a couple of quick things. Uh, one of the things we're trying to look at right now is uh, putting together a little bit of a youth program for technology. We had uh, a discussion yesterday with a group called TU20. And these are uh, basically high school students that are really focusing on technology and wanting to get some help and assistance. So uh, we have been chatting with them. Uh, uh, they do run a number of events and they're always looking for guest speakers, uh, people that are well-versed in the technology sector. So 
we just indicated, let us know the type of events and we'll certainly reach out to our members for those that want to contribute and give back in that sector. Uh, in addition, we've made some invitations to some of their, uh, what they, they call themselves executives, to attend uh, you know, some of our peer groups to get a sense of what is going on in the technology sector, certainly within marketing, et cetera. So uh, just be aware, we are looking at those type of programs uh, and any help and interest you may be willing to contribute as members, please let us know, we will be reaching out. Also, I uh, did want to mention, you know, we do have a very strong drive on right now for new members. Uh, we are managing uh, successfully to get some new members, which is uh, great news. Uh, but please, for any of the peer groups, we do have a uh, have a coffee and muffin on us. If you bring a non-member guest to any of our peer groups, uh, we will send you a Tim Horton certificate that allows you to get a coffee and a muffin on, on us. So we're just trying to encourage uh, a lot of non-new members coming into our peer groups. So please help us. Please help make your association stronger and more vibrant. And it's just a little way of saying thank you. So Ryan, sorry. Yeah, um, I guess... Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, John. Um, I, this is my first time attending, and um, I just wanted to reach out to you. I'm not a member yet, but me being a technology background, running an MSP uh, company, I'll be more than happy if you want me to do um, a presentation about security, uh, voice, uh, you know, collaboration, um, administration, like all the technical part of you know Microsoft Office, uh, Windows servers, like things like that. Uh, I'll be more than happy to to help out. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, um, I guess yeah. Before we sign off, I guess one of the things uh, with the tech under twenty. Um, I also had a discussion with the the Brock Youth Center yesterday, and there is a major challenge, and it coincides with uh, what TU twenty was saying is that there's a lot of um, high school students right now that are feeling. Uh, under the, under the gun because nobody can get jobs. Uh, there's no co-ops right now. So there's a lot of people struggling with the future of where where they're going to go in business or with their education because there's a lot of stuff up in the air. So um, we will provide uh, some more additional information as we continue to talk with uh, Tech, uh, Tech Under 20 and maybe with the BYC, um, maybe to get uh, a mentorship night going with for some high school students just to kind of let them let them know the lay of the land because they are they are in desperate need of uh, some guidance and some of these people are in rural areas that are not getting uh, guidance and support uh, from their local establishments. Um, couple two other things um, is uh, we had a discussion with a company called Engineers Without Borders. Um, they're looking for some assistance as well. Uh, they are um, an engineering charity nonprofit that uh, helps uh, startups in Africa um, get going um, and uh, their their CEO Boris Martin is going to come on next month just to kind of do a two to three minute promo as to some of the things that they're working on and to see if there's anybody interested in uh, providing uh, some insight and some potential help to the startups that they're working with in um, Africa and the other thing uh just so kind of put into your minds is uh, we had a discussion with Mark Keynes uh, from Blue Link. Uh, we are looking to do uh, some, you know, collaborative work with Blue Link and some other companies to talk about um, racism within the workplace, um, kind of maybe doing a, um, a couple of mentor sessions or some sessions around actually talking about some of the issues, uh, systemic racism um, and, you know, all that stuff that's been going on. Um, so if there's anybody interested in, you know, talking or if you have uh, some insight, uh, we definitely look for some HR in individuals or anything of the sort. So if there's more information that will be coming out, but we definitely want to have a discussion then about uh, some of the issues within uh, the workplace. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, also, if anybody's doing a virtual event yourselves for your own companies, don't hesitate to let us know. I mean, F2 ourselves, we're heavily involved in media and entertainment, but also the government. Um, so we do a lot of work with uh, the CVSA and RCMP and D&D. So if you're running a tech event, um, I have no problem you know, promoting your events to some of my folks if it, if it helps uh, other companies with a, under this umbrella. It, uh, it just makes sense that we try to help each other. So uh, 
I'll make a personal offer if you want to let me know personally or through Ryan. Uh, but uh, I think we need to start helping each other, especially the, the growth stage companies uh, promote their companies. Uh, maybe not to each other, but to definitely to, to some of our network itself, right? And again, I'd highly recommend you look at what Terry did on Wednesday, especially because at some point we we're all going to exit. And uh, it, was a, it was a really good, uh, really good presentation. Well, thanks, everybody. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I, I, oh, yes, sorry. Go ahead, Go ahead Jessica. Yep. Okay, so I, I know um, um, John mentioned something as well. Um, if anyone is interested in collaborating with us, like I said, we're trying to place 50 students in the tech industry. So please feel free, feel free to like reach out to us. We are leveraging government, government funds for this, so it will be a minimized cost. So if you're interested in like leveraging like um, um, undergrad, graduate students and PhD students for like research projects and companies, please Feel free to like reach out to me and I'm happy to initiate a conversation between both of us. Jeff? Um, so Tali and I are members of something called the Business Executive Referral Group. Uh, we meet on the first and third Wednesdays of each month. Uh, it's all about referring business to each other. Uh, anybody's welcome to attend as a guest to join. Uh, you need to be, uh, be either uh, above a million or 10 staff, but anybody's welcome to attend. And it's all about driving business to each other. So if anybody's interested, feel free to reach out to me and happy to provide details. Okay, thank you. Cool. Thank you, have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Thanks, thank you. Thanks, 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 th